Someone once told me that the line between light and dark is very thin. Walk it alongside me. And welcome back, Guardians, to another episode of Becoming Legend. What is up, everyone? Welcome back. What's everyone? Welcome back. Happy Halloween and happy Festival of the Lost to you. I hope you all have been having a pretty good Festival of the Lost, going through these lost sectors, slaying headless ones, getting some good gear, and learning some more about the darkness, the witness, and characters involved. Mr. Tweezy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just ask you, um, when you think about Destiny seasonal event, what, what are your kind of feelings about the Festival of the Lost? Is it one that you, you look forward to? Is it one that you're like, eh, kind of whatever? Do you enjoy the, the new lore we've been getting throughout the season? What are y'all talking about? I mean, Festival of the Lost for me is more enjoyable than it used to be. Um, the first time that we really experienced Festival of the Lost and what it was going to be in Destiny 2, from my recollection, um, that was after they had introduced the Curse of Osiris expansion because we went into uh, the Infinite Forest. It was like the Haunted Forest was the activity and that was the activity until last year um they have been redesigning all of these events but the first one that i really remember them redesigning is uh this is festival of the lost i both enjoy it and don't enjoy it there's parts about it that i enjoy there's parts about it that i don't enjoy it's it's a it's the game um but i do appreciate the fact that they have been trying to make the events more than just another playlist that you run uh in order to get a very specific loophole you know like they've been adding the lore entries to it uh we had we have now two lore books dedicated solely to Festival of the Lost. We have the, the part last year, part two this year. Trying to explain the origins of the Headless Ones and kind of where they came to be. Last year was more from Glint's perspective. This year's is more from Ido's perspective. You know, I, I appreciate it because it, it helps like further define some of these characters in in ways that you know like don't really matter in the sense of lore you know like we're not hearing about any characters that we need to be worried about like paying attention to you know like i think the first nine chapters of this year's lore book has the the drowned captain in it which is a a a fallen kel who gets resurrected um not really worried about seeing that you know the drowned captain outside of festival of the lost is not going to be a character that you know we revisit but what i do like is that there's a lot more interaction between this this year especially ido and and everybody in the tower you know she went to go and talk with eris she talked with the drifter she talked to spider to to everyone um 
and more of that, you know, conversation and communication between her and everyone else uh, really helps kind of further define Ido as a curious person, you know, always wanting to seek the truth, always wanting to, to get to the bottom of things. And then it also kind of helps really define some of her relationships with some of the others, you know. Uh, there's a particularly, like, uh, what comes to mind for me is there's a a chapter in this year's where Ido and Spider talk about the drowned captain and, and who he was before he died. And, you know, Spider just talks about how he really wishes that he had a propaganda person like that. Because in, in the, you know, Ido very much was like, oh, but there are odes written about the drowned captain. Like, what what do you mean? What how who was this person in real life? And you know, Spider is like, yeah, like it's it's not as black and white as it always is in the stories. Like there is nuance in it, and the world in which we live in is surrounded in nuance. And I just thought it was incredibly poignant. Uh and so I really appreciate that. But it's also an activity and it's also like an event, you know, unfortunately. And, and I'll give Destiny credit for starting it. You know, as we see more games becoming free to play games, as we see more games trying to transition as being games as a service, there's so many different games that are doing their own Halloween events. You know, so Destiny's is fun. It's fun to come in, throw down for a couple days and then kind of just like, you know, get out. You know, typically Festival of the Lost happens. And it's like the like the the seasonal event is the kickoff to the dead period. Of, of the rest of the season where there is no more new lore that's coming, you know, as everyone just kind of like fine tuning everything. Uh, but it's a nice little way to send it off. I think that and that's just me personally, What I don't like right now the seal as much as I love it, as much as I want to get it, as much as I'm grinding for it. Uh, you know, this is a two, three week event that we have a seal for that everyone's grinding for. Is it really necessary to have a seal like for everything? I don't know. I don't know. That's just my opinion from somebody who, you know, doesn't grind the game as much as they used to. So that's just that's just a small gripe because it's a seal I want, but I'm not sure if I'm going to really grind out to get it. What about you, man? How are you feeling? What are your thoughts yes. on the festival? So you absolutely has some very valid points um, throughout your explanation of your quote unquote enjoyment of the season, let's say <laughs> of, of the of the season of the lost, I should say. Um, yeah. uh, from my perspective, the way you just described it right there, you described points that actually apply to all players, whether you're a new light or, um, or a veteran guardian who's been for, for a while. So the fact that they introduced this year new characters to follow, such as um, the Drowned Captain or even uh, Ido, which was really, you know, she was introduced last year. We didn't learn a lot about her. So this year, during uh, the season of the plunder, she's really had a chance to uh, make an impression on us and kind of gain our favor and our interest. One thing that I really am enjoying uh, as a progression from year to year is the fact that they are doing a better job making this Destiny world feel alive. And what I mean by that is how the characters interact with each other and have missions with each other or have bits of lore where they'll have clear conversations and you get to be a part of that. Whereas before, you know, especially, you know, uh, when it first launched on Destiny 2, you didn't really have that. Like the only job 
for your Festival of the Lost was to bake cookies and visit each vendor. But they didn't really, you know, talk with each with each other or anything like that. So stuff like these introductions make make the world feel more alive to me. And I'm happy to see that the top characters are interacting and building relationships and learning about each other. Even as you mentioned, the conversation between Ido and Spider, we're learning more about the past and Spider's, you know, telling his version. But then she also goes to Misrax and asks Misrax his version of the drowned captain. And Misrax says, oh, that guy was kind of a fool. Didn't really know what he was doing. So don't believe all legends. And that does apply to the theme of the Festival of the Lost, because there are three different lost sectors. And as such, there are three different versions of the creation of this one. This is still a mystery that's being solved. It's an expansion upon last year when Glint was trying to figure out the origin of the Headless Ones, but we really got the stories of the ones who encountered the Headless Ones, not the stories of who they are exactly. Like It's very probable that these were powerful creatures, if not uh, legends, from our actual Destiny universe that were corrupted by the darkness and turned into these headless creatures to encounter. So I find that interesting, providing new lore and stories interesting, even though it doesn't necessarily go anywhere in the grand scheme of things. Now, whenever you get to uh, the last points that you provided about the seal, I also agree with that. It's a two to three week event. And if you are not on there daily, two to three hours, it's going to be very difficult for you to gain the seal. And I do agree that they need to make it a little bit more accessible especially for, you know, people who are playing multiple games or people who just want to hop in, experience the Festival of the Lost for a few hours and then hop off. Give it more, make it more rewarding for those types of players as well. The ones who don't want to invest countless hours just to get a title that's not going to mean anything in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, you know, and I mean, like, if, I, if you're a collectionist, of course, I understand that. But yeah, still. And I still under, like I understand the idea that the seals should be harder to get um, because you want to reward players for doing exactly that, you know, for popping in every day, for playing, for trying to get through all of this. Um, you know, the, the festival of the lost one out of all of the seals that you you could get within a year, I, I think festival of the lost is fair for most players, I, I think. You know, the the biggest grind is having to play like to do just the haunted lost sectors. I think it's like 35. Yes. Haunted lost sectors. That's yes. the biggest grind of it, you know, because in order to really optimize your <laughs> in order to really optimize like your, your gameplay, loop, you need to also be playing other activities to get the spectral pages so you can, you know, do the whole shebang. I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's fair. I think it's fine. Um, I think if they had introduced like master night sectors to this and had that be a part of the seal, I think that would be too much. Um, I think it's fair. I just I. Other than the fact that like they're doing it and they're having it and it you know rewards players, I just don't see why we need to have another seal added to the game because I don't think that many. That's just my perspective. I just don't think that that many players have earned all the seals to where they're searching for, you know, 
any new seals that get added to the game. Personal opinion, but you know, right? Needing the complete set because yeah. I also do question that choice to require you to participate in uh, your standard playlists as well as the haunted sector playlist. So, um, what we mean by that, uh, Guardians, is there are like let's say twenty-seven new pages of lore that you can get uh, just from the event. But the problem is you have to get spectral pages by doing regular playlist activities such as uh strikes gambit crucible you know that that those the main three Strike, you, you can get also the get pages there by doing you can get more by doing like raids by doing dungeons like you get it by doing any activity it's just the right. level of activity that you do is also going to and like your performance in it will determine how many pages you yes yeah. absolutely but then so once you require those pages, you have to jump back into the Haunted Sectors play, uh, playlist where you can only redeem up to 15 pages per run if you kill all the, the headless ones, which isn't too difficult to do, but just sometimes it, it, it just doesn't work out. Yeah, it but, is and it isn't. It is, be, it is only when people are trying to rush it and they don't realize to not focus down the boss. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like once the final boss spawns, Everyone seems to focus on it. And I'm like, yo, no, like I'm trying to get 15. Like, can we, mm-hmm. can we get mm-hmm. 15? Randos, blueries, come on. Cool. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like the best use of time, knowing that there are the majority of guardians out there don't play all day, every day. Agreed. So knowing that it's going to be extremely difficult for them to unlock all the pages. And then they're uh, left to either find find out from their favorite, um, you know, lore inf- lore sources, or or just grind the game out. I mean, like, say for example, I would say I've put let, let let's say ten hours. I'd say about ten hours into the Festival of the Lost, and I'm about halfway through the lore pages, so I haven't even finished reading the entire thing, and only have another week and a half, and, and that's it. So if I don't stay on this, I want all the pages. And there are tons of players out there exactly like that who will not get the full experience just due to a lack of time. Yeah, a little unfair. It is, but also that's the game that it is these days. I can't that complain. You know, I'm just getting old, you know? Like, it's okay. <laughs> I'll own it. I'm getting old. I don't have the time that I used to have anymore, you know? And so that time becomes a lot more intentional for me. I have to really, like, oh, dude, it sucks. You know, like on days when you load up Destiny and you're like, okay, great. I need to do all of this stuff. But what I'm going to do for the next 30 minutes is vault management. You know? (laughs) So, yeah. Again, I'm not talking from personal experience. This isn't what happens to me at least once a month. No. But anyways. Yeah, I think this is great. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens. Uh, I did feel bad, you know, that the quest was bugged on the first day uh, where people weren't getting any sort of progress. It still feels like it's kind of bugged. Um, Every time that I've run a Hunter Law Sector, that is, it just, yeah, it feels like something's wrong. Um, But past that, I think it's uh, I think it's a good activity. It's a nice little fun way to send off the rest of the season because we all know it's because I, I don't even know if the end of this season is going to happen at the end of this season or if it's going to be the thing that starts next season. You know, 
that's where my head is. So, but yeah, I think it's a great event. I've been enjoying it, but you know, I've been enjoying it because I've been playing less of it than I would. Maybe that's why I'm enjoying it. Agreed. <laughs> have fun by playing less. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you got to do to have fun playing the game, man. As long as you still play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But yes, I do still have the events. I do enjoy the Haunted Lost Sectors. Uh, they've revamped the tower, of course, again, into the Engram tree in the middle, where if you climb the tree, there's a branch on the left-hand side where you can jump on top of that to grab the first engram, which will award you a 50 candy. Candy is the um, is the currency. Yeah, Currency. Thank you. I, I don't know why I'm thinking value. I was like, I don't know how I would describe it. I, is it? It's, I, uh, it's candy. Y'all know what it is. Yeah. Reese's Pieces. Re- on a tree. Climb the tree. Get some 50, 50 Reese's Pieces. You can get 350 by climb all, climbing all the way to the top. This resets weekly. You'll be able to access that this week as well as next week. Um, and there are some new, uh, some new emails in the, sh- in the shop that look pretty good. I actually got one today where you sit down and meditate with these purple candles. So if you want to sit oh, down and meditate with your friends, yeah, yeah, I think they, I think they released that last season. And God, it's right. Mm-hmm. No, it's a good one. I, the problem is like I have, I have so many emotes for me to just pick four. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so double the emote slots. Give us eight. I'll oh, just give us the wheel like Fortnite has, man. I don't care. Uh, but yeah. So every time festival, like any time that a seasonal activity happens, I change my ship's transmat effect because I don't change my ship a lot. Like I changed my sparrow back to something the mini sparrow just because it makes me laugh. Uh, but I really don't change my ship all that often. I change it like whenever I get a season ship. Uh, I change the transmit effects. I change all of my emotes. I try to change my uh, my shader so that I'm looking a little bit more, you know, Halloweeny. The only gripe with the the microtransactions that I have, and this is a small one, but like, I I feel like other people are going to listen to this and and feel my pain. Uh, before they revamped Festival of the Lost, you could use the candy to get face masks like you can get new masks from um eva and like every year was kind of exciting because you can see like okay well like there's gonna be like you know whoever the main character is this season they get that mask gonna get a pyramid mask or whatever and i have it feels like that has kind of moved to the store now like you know for actual currency not so much for my stupid currency that i i earn it's not dropping when I get the epic, you know, mystery bags or whatever. So, listen, if if anybody from Bungie listens to this and uh, has any sort of power to make any sort of decisions, uh, can we just bring that back? I'm rocking, I'm rocking masks from two years ago, man. Agreed. I'm still rocking, rocking the chicken mask from year one. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm the colonel. Like, I, I'm rocking <laughs> the colonel. Absolutely. It's the best one, hands down. Exactly. I'm sorry. I think I cut you off. You're you're building to a point. Oh no, 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 no! Building to a point at all. Just a quick question: What does your guardian look like these days? What is your look for the season of the plunder? 
And which mask are you rocking currently? Did you you, you did just mention the Colonel? Yeah. That, has that been your main? Okay. Yeah, Colonel's the main. Yeah, just because describe it's your guardian stupid, to it makes us. Me just laugh. Let the viewers know <laughs> what is what are our guardians rocking these? Right now, just the uh, I have the majority of everything I have is the seasonal armors, uh, and then the you know the Colonel mask. I, I don't really get fancy. You get extra bonuses by having the armors on. Plus, uh, because I've been playing a little bit less, there's that triumph for uh, getting kills while wearing seasonal armor, and it multiplies for every piece that you have. So I just, yeah, I'm mostly rocking, what is it, the Kel Killer? No. Catch. Catch, catch Keller? Or the, yeah. Catch the Stealer? Catch something. Yeah, Catch Stealer. I, I think it's Catch Stealer or something. Something to that effect. You can correct me in the comments. Um, yeah, I've been rocking that. Uh, it looks cool. I'm kind of a spiky guy, you know, which is, is stupid. <laughs> but I have a I have a chicken mask on, and that really that uh, brings me joy, you know, especially when like you know, and and I am I am not advocating for this, uh, but I'm also not going to deny doing it. Um, if you're in Crucible, and you just like you know, really get someone, and you teabag them while you're wearing a chicken mask, there is nothing funnier. <laughs> You know, and I'm not condoning the act of teabagging. I'm just saying it happens every now and then. So, you know. Hey, do what makes you happy in the game. Yeah, I can get toxic sometimes. I'm just going <laughs> to I shoot bodies. I, I do the whole thing. So <laughs> for me, hey, if you I get a bit of enjoyment. Uh, I, I tend to wear the chicken mat, even when it's not uh, Festival of the Lost. And just so y'all know, you, you can wear your masks outside of the Festival of the Lost, but it's docked down to a power of zero. So it's going to bring your light level way, 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 way down. But that's not yeah. really going to matter in events like Gambit, Crucible, and regular Vanguard strikes. I mean, a little bit, but not really. So don't let people tell you that you can't do that. If you want to have fun the rest of the year, do it. Because I pair my chicken mask with the feed the birds i mean the feed the pigeons emote and that oh, just cracks one, yeah. me up every time i'm a giant i'm a giant bird feeding pigeons on grave so uh yeah. i've been rocking um i am a mech big bird right now i've been rocking the bumblebee shader all season long i put it on all my weapons all my armor even my ship mm -hmm. i've been uh rocking armamentarium and the iron banner iron forerunner armor um, so armamentarium, I've really just been using for the double nades and with the arc, uh, 3.0 build, like I get my grenades back every 20 seconds or so. So it's just yeah. a constant storm of arc nades everywhere. Um, and then we did get a little bit, I did not purchase the mech armor for uh, festival of the lost, but we did get the macabre sniper rifle, which mm -hmm. does have a mech sound effect whenever you actually pull the trigger so that's it's fun um if big bird from sesame street was in an exo body that would be my guardian right now. okay i'm getting it i'm getting that it sounds pretty violent don't come after me sesame street <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh i get that but yeah, so I mean, um, for me, that pretty much wraps up the Festival of the Lost. Do you think there's anything else we should toss in about the current 2022 season? Or should we move on to darker characters 
Ah, you know, like if they start introducing stuff or they start making events something that also ties into the the narrative of the game, then you know that's one thing. But it's it is a fun activity. But you know, it's it's a filler activity, kind of just getting us through. So I think we've done it. Congratulations, guys! This is it, Festival of the Lost. Oh, we've covered we lost it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. We always tend to put one type of prediction or something for the future. So I'm gonna say <laughs> that there's a good chance that it's the same type of event, Festival of the Lost Sector next year, but hopefully they bring these stories more to a final point. I want to see more advancements in the witnesses' actual involvement in the headless ones. Right now we have some rumors and idols putting the facts together, but we don't have a, a leading theory or actionable cause just yet. So I'm going to keep an eye out for the 2023 uh, Lightfall uh, Festival of the Lost. Just kind of see what changes have they implemented. Will they do something uh, with Strand or will it just be more of the same? Um, I am curious to find out. Looking forward for that. Okay. That's fair. Uh, and I'll make a prediction on top of that prediction just to be fun. Uh, yeah. I predict that they'll add more lost sectors to the, the pool next year. Put Please. a new lost sector. Put one of the lightfall ones, even for people who don't have life. I'll just, just. I mean, they'll have, but it. like, even if they get lightfall, if they don't get lightfall, they should still get the, the zone like that. That should still be a patrollable area because it's going to be part of the season. You know, correct. So it all works. I don't know if you can tell, we play the game a lot. Pretty yeah. much. Only years of my life, almost a decade. Man. Small extra crisis. It's Anyways. for something. You know. We'll see. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so. There is another topic that we would also like to discuss this episode. There is a anti-hero of sorts that's been uh, making their presence a little more known in the system. Even though they are currently dead, they are still affecting the actions of today. Who am I speaking about? I'm speaking about my main man, Nezarak. Mm-hmm. Who's that? Who is that? Who the heck is Nezarak? I never heard of him. <laughs> was it like, did, didn't we have like a warlock helmet called Nezarak Sin? They just randomly gave us in D2 with no context or any way, shape, or form? Yeah, I think yes. So. Absolutely. Nezarak Sin, in my opinion, one of the better void warlock um, exotics to wear if you really want to buff your class. And then, especially with the Void 3.0 that we got earlier this year, you absolutely can keep your void. Um, elements and grenades and, and melees just chaining over and over and over it is really, really, really powerful. But the only thing that we got at the time was a pretty short lore tab that basically just says, he is that which is an end and he shall rise again. Mm-hmm. He is that which is an end, that which covets sin, the final god of pain, the purest light, the darkest hour, and he shall rise Again, it probably doesn't say like that, but it, it does kind of yeah, rhyme. It is. It, it's it kind of rhyme. It's okay. Nezarek got that heat, man. I'm, I'm going to pre-order that out. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they, they kind of just give us these titles of a person that existed. 
someone who's who's described as the final god of pain in the darkest hour. For a long time, we really didn't have any context of who or what Rack was. But last season, uh, if you remember, in the final room where we face Callus, spoilers, I'm sorry if, if you didn't do last season, you do face Callus the end, and mm-hmm. uh, you go to the center of the lunar moon to a place known as... Uh, I just had it. It's like, it's like the room of the darkest hour. Mm-hmm. And as it shows you on the left, it shows the darkest hour. So, which leads to believe that the lunar pyramid was Nezarek's pyramid. Therefore, Nezarek must have been a disciple of the witness. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Nezarek's corpse is what is inside the relics we've been hunting all season long. We're hunting down <laughs> space mummies. Exactly. In a season of pirates, we've got space mummies. So I don't really know what theme we're going for anymore, but it's it's exciting. Yeah. Right. Oh man, Mr. Tweezy, like, what do you? How do you kind of feel about about Nezarek, and what do you think about him when you consider his mystery, who he was, and his relevance for our story? Well, I mean, I think for me, um, the most exciting parts of it have been like getting more of a timeline of, of how long the darkness has been here and what impacts they have. Um, you know, based off of everything that you said, I believe from the circles that I follow on Twitter, uh, and, and the people that I seem to, to listen to online, it, it seems as if we're of the belief and like these, this is also the conclusion that I came to. And I was kind of like putting some of those pieces together. Nezrak was the disciple of the witness responsible for the lunar pyramid during the time of the collapse. You know, that's why um, he's the lord of pain you know he is the one who who brought the most pain onto humanity at least that's my theory um you know i love the fact that it's something that is a name that you know so many exotic pieces of armor um have proven to be like bigger parts of a story as we've gotten further into the overall picture of what destiny is and is not you know uh, it started with learning more about the car and you could really tell the difference in, in them based off of the lore tabs that were given for any, anything that had Ahamkara bones. Nezrak originally, I was like, all right, this is a cool helmet, man. Like, I don't know who this dude is, but like, that's a cool that's name. Nice. Cool helmet, man. Uh, didn't really put too much thought into it. But now there's, a lot of questions. I don't know. Uh, you know, not only because we're being introduced to Nezrek could have been, um, but our entire seasonal chase is about obtaining these relics of power that are able to increase, like, you know, people's power, people's ferocity. It is, it is like a, it is like a version of the darkness that everyone is getting to wield that just makes it, I, it doesn't seem like they're like, 
you know, full Aramis level darkness where they're able to like, you know, ice out of thin air. But it does feel as if darkness is flowing off of Nezrak's remains and like giving people like a giant buff. You know, that's the best way to describe it. Like just giant speed buff, giant strength buff. You know, these people are stronger, better, faster. And that is the entire reason why uh, they are trying. Well, yeah, that is one of the main reasons why the the Vanguard views the objects as being so dangerous is because of the impact they have on everybody else. Um, but I am curious, you know, not to be too future forward. Uh, you know, we are uh, as a as a podcast breaking the fourth wall moment, you know, we talked a little bit before the show about how we're going to try and be a little bit care- more careful about spoilers. Uh, this episode, not really talking about what we know <laughs> of the season. Uh, so I'm trying to toe the line there. Uh, but I do think that in a, in a way that only, <laughs> in a way that only Bungie can, uh, the line on the helmet about him rising again uh, like that little detail that they put into them years ago um, and how it's looking like we could potentially be figuring out what that means and what the impact that will have on the rest of the system if the witness is able to resurrect another disciple. Um, you know, I, I think it is very interesting. Uh, and I, it is something that I have been kind of excited we talked about the story and how great the story has been. Like this is yet another story where I'm just real excited about what is being hinted at, but not really being shown at the moment. You know, like we see all the relics when we drop them off, but you know, everything has been about the people and the interactions, but this is just in the back. And I'm just like, all right, cool. Like this is going to be that, that third act, you know, like, holy crap what is this we have to take care of this right now kind of thing so i'm excited and then hopefully this also turns into something where maybe it leads into the next season as well maybe this is the thing that's you know sparks something similar to um savathun seeking refuge with mara you know maybe that becomes the thing that turns into something bigger later what about you Absolutely. So uh, I do think that I think that Nezarek poses a, lo- a lot of questions, or maybe not himself. The knowledge of Nezarek, what the information we've been given, leads me to have a lot of questions about the timeline. It is interesting because it gives us a look into the past, learning again that the Lunar Pyramid was involved in the collapse of humanity, lets us know, like, okay, well, the dust was actually here and present during the golden age even it wasn't necessarily like an assault of darkness that just collapsed everything at once it may be something that took space over decades or centuries and i'm really looking for the information of what happened when and why and hoping that those are the, these questions will be answered perhaps in the next season um you mentioned that this could be a catalyst for the next season and uh, even the way it's a catalyst for Lightfall, mm-hmm. basically, because we only have one more season before 
another launch. So whatever they're going to do, it's going to be related. I, I really don't see them doing another season. But it's Bungie. You never know. Um, I'm trying to remember. What was the season before Season of the Lost? Season of the... So. And that was the activity in Season of the Lost. Season... Season of the Witch Queen. Where we were mostly defending the Wellspring. No, I was just trying to remember if there was something that happened in that season that led to us uh, being aware that Mara was going to be coming back and that was going to be the main focus. Like, you know, if there was like that bridge that tied the, the final two seasons together with the expansion. You know, um, looking for, I'm just looking for like historical precedent here. Mm-hmm. I think that happened. I think it was how they kicked off the season and then how they used the next season to kick off uh, what was Witch Queen, what will be Nightfall. So, yeah. Anyways. Exactly. No, yeah, that's exactly it. So if they were to uh, use the information of, say, Nezrak's infiltration of the Golden Age or the, the cause of the collapse, more actually happened then to fill in the blanks. I think that could be a whole season right there. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it really is interesting because we don't have a lot of solid information about the guy. We have a helmet. We have mm-hmm. a glaive. Mm-hmm. And, and now we have these relics, which the relics themselves only have the lore of how they were discovered and how uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. Trying to like, toe the line. Trying to toe the line. I was sorry, like, guys. it sucks, dude. I you, really, you I know, I'm sorry. I don't, mean like, to, wait. <laughs> I don't mean to bait y'all. I really don't. But there are things that we are saving for another episode because it makes sense when you, when you put it all together and discuss it all at once. But if I were to just to speak without thinking, it, it kind of ruins the theme of the episode. Bad yeah. guys. The point is, we don't have a lot of information about Nezarek, so we're really just, just grasping at, at straws and trying to make connections between other things that we know. Even when you look at the lore tab of the glaive, Nezarek's Whisper, which was the first thing we've had in a while to say, whoa, whoa, this is the second Nezarek item we've gotten in this game. Who is this guy? Why are they talking mm-hmm. about him? Years went by in between Nezarek's Sin and Nezarek's Whisper. When you read the lore tab, you don't learn anything. It's just about Eris exploring the lunar uh, pyramid in search of answers and and discovery and knowledge. She finds a glaive in the pyramid on the floor. She picks it up uh, and nothing happens. She says, where are you? She whispers into the air and there is no reply. Those are the last two lines from that lore tap, which basically means you don't learn anything. I from that little bit of information, I want to say that there's a chance that Nezarek may still be conscious in another form, perhaps in the Ascendant Realm or the Ascendant Plane. It, it does seem weird for Eris to whisper, where are you? Like, who was she talking to if nobody else was there in the pyramid, but she picks up the glaive? So more questions without answers, and we're just trying to see what we can figure out. So I really enjoy the mystery of Nezarek and want to yeah. see where it goes. You know, and Eris, if you're able to 
find a glaive in the pyramid, you know, maybe you could have told us that in Shadowkeep when we walked into the pyramids for the first time, you know, because like I love the glaive. Why? <laughs> Why? How come you were able to go into it, you know, second, third time, get it? Meanwhile, I have to wait years. That's all I'm saying. I'm a little upset. Oh, it was in the second storage closet. That's why she didn't ah. check the first time. You know, when you first move in and you're trying to learn, you're, you get familiar with the place, you might miss, like, you know, a little small side closet or something. Yeah. But what was also interesting for me is, like, you know, reading that lore tab, the thing that I thought was, you know, like, the witness, the, the, the voice behind the darkness. Things aren't revealed or, or left out like that like especially on a pyramid ship you know we found the orb thing because the you know the witness wanted us to find that the darkness wanted to commune with us and that was the device by which it could so uh in shadow keep you know like you go in and it's it's very clean you can see like the veiled figures like out of place there's not any there's not weapons that are just like left lying around. So I also question um, what it was trying to show or do or tell, you know, because it doesn't seem like things with the darkness by accident, you know, like it is a chess match and it will move this pawn here and then we will move our pawn, blah, blah. I was I was not going to go very far into the chess analogy. I just wanted you to know <laughs> the metaphor, whatever. But, you know, like, so I was when that happened and I got the glaive, I was also well, I wonder, like. I wonder what this means that we were allowed to, you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, I spent a little too much time in my head just now thinking about that chess analogy, but I, I kind of I like it because yeah. to me, at least, I don't know if this was the point you were making, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like an aggressive chess strategy where by the witness placing something right in front of us, like moving his pawn to a certain place, that forces us to play a certain way. So by pushing his pieces closer and closer to us, he's really putting us under pressure and we have to react to every little thing the witness does. We don't even have time to try to contemplate the master plan that's happening behind those other uh, pieces on the board. Yeah. We're too busy reacting to the pawn that was just put in front of us. Oh, Glaive. Oh, oh, we got to figure it out. No, he's over here making master plans with with Callus, who's over already on the other side. Yeah. So no, it's it very like, interesting. You know, yeah. Oh God, we're going to go so far into this chest thing. <laughs> but <laughs> continuing off that, man. Yeah, like, you know, the big distraction for us right now this season is Aramis. Aramis is distracting us from trying to decipher what the witnesses' uh, goals are, what the plan is, what is going to happen with Callus. Aramis is a convenient distraction for us uh, so that we're we're so busy over here trying to stop this that, you know, we we are going to be missing something else. You know, so I just hope that we're not being led into a trap is all. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. But if we do, 
as normal. We'll be fine. Yeah, I'm just we got power of the light. Got a little bit of darkness power. Got some frozen pops. Some solar balls. Void nades. Energizer batteries. We're good. I was like, nades? Who uses nades? <laughs> I'm a warlock, all right? Like, I have devour. I use that. Oh, you eat your nades. Spicy. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Imagine you on the on the battlefield and everyone else is throwing grenades and iron banner like I'm did, that crazy. Did person. that guy just eat his grenade? Yeah. Yeah. Watch this. That's Every me. time I kill someone, I get health. Oh, dude, it's what? It's fun. It's yeah. Fun. Definitely. I, and it's also fun because like, you know, I every time that they've introduced a new like the the new subclasses, right? I've just been trying to really focus in on that subclass and really like, you know, figure out what I like, what I don't like, how to play it. Um, but whenever I go back to some of these other ones, I'm also like, man, this is stupid fun. <laughs> why? Why have I been playing this? You know, why haven't I been playing as void? You know, I, I have. Um, I just had way too much. With all these subclasses, oh, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. You know, there's one other thing. I think we can talk about this. Send off, I guess, for the for the evening. Um, sure. Man, what do you think of that cutscene? First cutscene, where we learn that Mithrax is not, or has not always been, the best. I really enjoyed it personally. Uh, I think it gives more character to the Misrex that we met in the beginning of D2. Who was Misrex at the time? He was a villain. And we gave him the option to change his life. And he you know, made the choices that he did that led him to where he is today. Kel of House Light. Mm -hmm. But I do like seeing a little bit more context to how brutal he was and how feared he was, and also why even the spider fears him. Mm -hmm. So it, without that cutscene, it would be difficult to fully envision that. So yeah. um, you know, I, I enjoy it. I appreciate it. Uh, it gives more depth to him, in my opinion, especially to see how far he's come. Like, I don't, there aren't too many characters right now who have gone from dark to light. So... Yeah. To know that it's possible means that we'll maybe we'll be able to do that to other dark characters as well. Um, fingers crossed, hoping for Aramis. We'll see. Yeah, I saw that. I, I saw the truth. Yeah, you know, like it's great that we're more of this backstory of Mithrax, you know, be, because that first time that we interacted with him chose not to shoot him. And then later he comes back and helps us stop Aramis from getting outbreak perfected. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of questions about his past and, you know, as we've continued on through all the seasons, like we've learned, you know, we learned about how he was a splicer, which was a, a sect of house or, you know, like which was a sect of, of Kel houses uh, that, we really didn't know much about I, they and like they've gone in and explained that a lot more you know i think they were originally the house of dancers 
question mark um you know we we see that mithrax used to be ferocious mithrax used to be like one of the most powerful pirates which is amazing because then you're like wow but you're also a spot you're also you know so many things um but it's just very interesting to to learn and to see that change and you know i i didn't know if it was because of the fact that um because of the the events of whirlwind and and how the society of the elixir really seemed like you know crumble they went through their own dark ages where there was a lot of on each other you know it it also kind of seems like he was raised in an environment similar to how Lord Saladin was raised, where like, you know, it's kill or be killed. You have to be. Um, and what I'm hoping for uh, is that we continue to dive into that, like think for him of like what what was the event that caused him to change? You know, obviously we're we're close to finding that out. But. What what is it that made him, you know, see the light? Again, uh, did the traveler, you know, like, is this potentially something the traveler talked? Um, who knows? Who knows? But I, I did love the fact that we got that. Uh, and, I, and I love that it also kind of puts it in perspective as far as his relationship with Aramis as well. You know, we we knew that they knew each other, kind of, but we didn't know what their relationship was really all that much about Aramis. You know, this season's also been giving us a lot more backstory about her and, you know, finding out that uh, Aramis has kids and a wife was something that was relatively new to me. So, I've loved all the story that they've been telling. I love how it's being, you know, like, this season much is more of a, like, an exploration into Aramis and into the Elixir as a whole and what happened after whirlwind like what they went through during the long drift but man i just see a little bit more of that like you know that badassness out of mithrax you know like i just want to see what everyone feared you know will we ever see that again probably and <laughs> i don't want to be on the receiving end of it yeah, no, I want to be like fight like him beside me. I just want to see it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, he really did that, didn't he? You know, like that's me. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, you know, like, yeah. Let him go sit there and watch pop some popcorn. Yeah, you you got him, Miss Rex. You you got him. Call yeah, me, yeah. me. Tag, tag me in. I'll be right here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's all you, dude. On that note, I think that is. The perfect trailer for our next episode of Becoming Legend. Should you feel the need to tune in, that was pretty much some of the topics we will be discussing. We'll be going mm -hmm. over the final lore of the season. We'll also be going over things I don't think we fully discussed, like you mentioned, the long drift. 
where some mm-hmm. key events take place in Aramis and Misrak's lives. We do get more information about how he came to uh, discover the, the uh, relics of Nezrak. We do learn a little bit more about how vicious uh, Aramis was as a captain. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll learn a little bit more about where this is going as a whole. Yeah. Um, so we did want to get that's why, uh, by the way, we were holding off on certain facts earlier because we want to talk about it next week in one cohesive conversation and not just throw out our favorite bits of lore because we will be here all night. You know how um, hard this is. Okay. It's really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. A good amount of planning pauses, goes into this. And, it's and even a then, lot of thought where you're just like, yo, like I was about to I was about to say something was, <laughs> you know. It's it's a whole thing. We we want to make sure that everybody who listens and everybody who plays has the opportunity to discover themselves, and then they can come back and listen to us, and we can kind of nerd out about the things, talk about things that you maybe didn't notice or whatever. So forgive us for being obtuse. Uh, we're just you know trying to be the best guardians we could be. Yeah. <laughs> but Callus, if you want to recruit me, though, my application is still in your inbox. It's like technically so, we were shadows of callus. I my hunter is still a shadow of callus to this day, knowing full well uh that callus will betray me and use me and throw me away. But he's gonna give me some sweet loot before he does that. It's Bring fine. back the menagerie. Just um if you all would like, of course, you are welcome to join us in the Discord. We will have links below in the description. Discord is always open. You do not have to be clan. If you are currently in a clan and having a great time, that's fine. Absolutely. But you want some more people to play with, just some options, hit us up. You want some people to talk about the lore or do you maybe you have questions? Maybe your clan has lore questions. Uh, pop us over here. Share the podcast around. Give us reviews. Give us, uh, you know, five star ratings and thumbs up and uh, mail it to your uncle. Do all the yeah. things. We're here for you. We love you. We're not going anywhere. We love the game. Um, that's most of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a reminder. Oh, thank you, Alexa. Well, that's that's perfect timing. Perfect Thanks, Alexa, timing. for the perfect sign off. I will <laughs> see you all on the next one. Uh, we'll probably do housekeeping at the beginning. We'll just skip it on this episode. Y'all know the deal. Yeah. Peace out. Later. Yeah, we've had...